This is Together, an Ada Bible Church podcast about the world of marriage, where we attempt to invite you to explore the ways marriage works and doesn't work. From practical ways of learning to biblical inspiration, we invite you to listen to other professionals and couples to help enrich your marriage. Here are your hosts, Rachel Norton and Samuel Jones. Hey, 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 Rachel. We are back on together. How you doing? Samuel, I'm excited to share this time with you, and I can't wait to connect with our guests. <laughs> awesome, awesome. Listen, we have, uh, uh, this is actually our first time doing together together, right? You know, it's either you and Kelly or me and Kelly, and, uh, you know, now we get a chance to hang out together and talk to some wonderful guests today. But uh, but I heard you, like, went away and did some fun things. Uh, I did, what Samuel. Did you do? Well, I first of all recommend a two-week vacation, a lot more than a one-week vacation. <laughs> sure. Well, I'm just saying that for the record, but we just unplugged, went to Florida, saw some friends, family, hopped around a little bit, and uh, just enjoyed the sunshine so much. That is awesome. You know, mm-hmm. I think that's a recommendation for anyone. When you told me you went away and did the whole two-week vacation, I said, listen, I said, I cannot wait between me and my wife to get away from the mm-hmm. hubbub of life and and just do two weeks away from things. And, and I think that to do two weeks away with anybody, especially like a spouse, you got to like them, right? You got to like who you're with. And so, and so I think that that is a perfect segue into today's guests. Um, these are two wonderful people, audience, that maybe you don't know, maybe you do know. They have authored a book called The Rhythm of Us, and they are an amazing couple. And we're going to introduce them to you so they can tell a little bit about their story. Everybody, welcome to together, Chris and Jenny Graby. All right. How are you guys doing? Hey, guys. It's great to be here with you today. Awesome. Awesome. So I'm just ecstatic. Listen, um, getting to meet you all, getting a chance to read a little bit about your book, which we'll talk about. I'm not going to spoil anything. I'm just excited um, to have you all all the way from Franklin, Tennessee. (laughs) Yeah. Do you hear the banjos playing? (laughs) (laughs) There's a constant guitar or banjo somewhere just on Not the street, even no. in the suburbs, you know? No. <laughs> Not at all. And here's a quick snippet. So funny thing is one of our campus pastors at Ada Bible Church, our East Paris campus, is actually from Tennessee as well. So, nice. you know, nice. small world. Tennessee's a big state. one of those Tennessee, if he's from here, does he have like a Tennessee, Tennessee accent? I would say so. You know, no? in my, right. in my <laughs> opinion. I don't know. He's playing it cool. He's like, no, no, it's great. (laughs) Oh, boy. Shout out to Pastor Jason Ross. But uh, this Mm -hmm. is a a great time to get a chance to meet you all. So we'll jump in. Uh, If you could, y'all, just tell us a little bit about yourself and your family. Sure. Well, yeah, like Chris said, we live in Franklin, Tennessee. Um, We've been married almost 18 years. And we have five wonderful kids. Um, we have one boy and four girls. And so 16 is the oldest, four is our youngest. So it's a, it's a wild season. It's crazy and it's loud and, and it's wonderful. And we pray a lot every day. <laughs> so much yeah. all the time. Yeah, God got us. He, he gave us a sweet, awesome boy at the very beginning. And then just girl, 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 girl. (laughs) And we love them. And they're amazing. It's a totally different approach. So, yeah, we're we're also the authors. 
of a book called The Rhythm of Us, hosts a podcast called The Rhythm of Us, the same name. And so our hope and our prayer is that our time here today is going to be able to serve and bless people. Those who maybe are getting ready to get married, those that are thinking about getting married, and those maybe who are married and been married for quite some time. Hopefully we can share some insights of things that God has taught us and some other couples that we've learned through from the years. And that's kind of the crux of our heart and our passion. And we're just we're honored to be here. Awesome. Awesome. Now, you know, I think sometimes with our audience, they're like, okay, we're going to know about their marriage and hear about that. But maybe talk a little bit about just before you got married, uh, Chris and Jenny, maybe individually, just about your experience beforehand. You know, what do you come from? What type of trade or work experience? And just who are you specifically? Okay. We're still trying to figure out who we want to be when we grow up, you know. Good, so, we're but, not together. Yeah, but if we're if we're gonna go back, way back, right? Yeah. No. Um. Yeah. So I mean, we grew up in two totally different states. I grew up in Indiana. She grew up in Texas. Um. From a faith perspective, I kind of attended church growing up, but I wasn't, you know, I and I even probably on paper would call myself a Christian, you know, got baptized a couple of times, thought maybe that would do it, but saw a lot of brokenness as a kid, you know, four, four dads, three moms, a lot, a lot of that. So my, my kind of worldview and my, you know, context for, for a healthy marriage relationship and Jesus, um, I just didn't really didn't have it, but then God wrecked my life in my early twenties. I was, a uh, just traveling dude, looking for a blonde Texan in Tennessee <laughs> and I found one, but, uh, but also I was, searching for Jesus and God wrecked my life at 21 here in Nashville. And um, yeah, and, and I was, uh, I'm, if you're familiar with the Enneagram at all, I'm an Enneagram seven. So I just, I always like to try new things and go on big adventures. Ended up on a TV show on MTV, which opened up a lot of doors. And then many, many years went into uh, the church as a pastor wow. after I encountered God. So I uh, met her along the way, obviously. And the rest is history, and here we are. But uh, yeah, so that's that's a little bit of my story, and then I let you go for a bit. Yeah, I think mine was you know kind of similar um, in a way. I grew up um, in a great great Christian home. My parents loved the Lord and took me to church, and I definitely had a relationship with Him growing up. Um, but around the same time that Chris met Christ and kind of had his big transformation. Um, I did as well. I We were going to a church in downtown Nashville, and there was just a, a real move of God in that time. And anybody who was a part of it at that time could tell you mm-hmm. that there was just this revival happening amongst the young people there. And we were we were just, just blessed to be a part of that. Um, and it just touched us in a way that we're never the same. And so that changed me. It really did tra- change me and changed the trajectory of me trajectory of my life. Um, and so I was in the Christian music industry when that happened in my early twenties. Um, just, you know, in the it, think Britney Spears and sync <laughs> and like the height of that awful music. And I was definitely a part of that in the Christian version of it. And um, God, God saved me from that <laughs> as well sure. and kind of put me on a different path. It, not that it's, it's not good for some people, but it was definitely not what I was meant to be doing. And so um, great, gratefully, we, I kind of shifted paths and ended up back at school um, in the, the religion department and just really found my passion, which was ministry. Um, and so I was able to kind of go that route and we ended up, um, meeting and going on staff at local churches for the next decade of our life together. And it was just a sweet season of serving the Lord, serving people, serving couples. 
and just learning. Um, and wow. still we're learning, you know, that's what our podcast is about. I know Chris mentioned that, but we just have couples and mentors on who've lived a lot longer than we have so that we can learn from them, um, really how to live well and how to love each other. Well, mm-hmm. so. Yeah, that's amazing. I, I think about this, this space of, you know, you growing eclectically individually as God is, you know, meeting you in different spaces and, you know, for you, Chris, you being, you know, I looked you up a little bit. I said, Chris, this guy, you know, who was just on any, any, I'm a dangerous Google. Listen, you were just on, (laughs) (laughs) you were just on any MTV. You were on road rules. It sounds like, right. Road rules. And that's for people who remember that show and all that. And then, you know, you go from there to all throughout the things in your life and become then a pastor, you know, and, and go into ministry for a very large church. And so like, and then, you know, Jenny, when you shared the space of being in uh, the music industry and you mentioned Britney Spears, now this joke may be really bad, you know, <laughs> you know, there was a gospel industry thing where we used to do this lyric replacement based on certain songs that we'd hear. So Britney Spears, Ooh. you know, oh, baby, baby, you know, you probably said, yeah. oh, Jesus, Jesus, you know, oh, Jesus. Right. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah. Uh, <laughs> it was bad. It was bad news. I know. I always joke that. Oh, I no. Don't be sorry. You you are blessed to have missed it. No, we always joke that like it was such a god thing that the like Facebook and YouTube and all of that came out right after that season for me. Yes. So thankfully, all of that material is like shoved in a closet somewhere and not you know out for the world to see. That's awesome. But I think that's so amazing to hear your just again, your journeys through all of this. And then, you know, even hearing your story of just this piece of God meeting you in your space in this church movement, you know, uh, um, a movement of God meeting you in a specific space. And, and in that, you know, you both have just this individual history that's different based on what God did. You know, maybe can you share a little bit more about that space of God meeting you, um, you know, and in your journey specifically? Yeah, I think for me, you know, with the, you know, a lot of the things I experienced as a, as a younger kid. I mean, obviously I, you know, the thing that God gave me and gifted me was this idea to inspire and move. And that flushed itself out as a pastor, but obviously before Christ, you know, that played itself out as the social chair of my fraternity, planning parties and doing all those sorts of things. So it was, I was using those gifts and powers, not for good. Right. But it ultimately was, I was on a search for Christ. I was, I was broken and I was trying to find him and really just hit the end of a really, really hard road and wall and just, and just decided it wasn't at a church service. It was October 13, 2002. I was all by myself. I was downtown Broadway in Nashville. And if you've been to Broadway in Nashville now, you know that it's a circus down there. It's a, it's wild, but it wasn't the case because my gray hairs means that it was quite some time ago. So it was, you know, almost 20 plus years ago where there was nothing. It was a Sunday night. It was before one of these church services that she was talking about. And I just, I can tell you the concrete block I was standing on right there in the corner down by Broadway and where I just stopped and God met me and I just said, Hey, I'm, I'm done. I'm all yours. And literally just made a pact with him. And instantly my life changed. It was truly a kind of Saul to Paul moment where my life just changed. Um, and I was never the same. And then I met her like literally like a few weeks after that happened. So she never got to meet that old punk. You know? <laughs> right. Thank you, Jesus. 
Awesome. Awesome. Uh, well, Rachel, you know, I think that in the space, I know this is a, a marriage podcast, but getting a chance to learn them, you know, there's a space of also getting a chance to hear about their love story. Right. Well, and you had such a powerful encounter with God, Chris. And Jenny, it sounds like God really moved in your heart and life in a significant way to be more center prior to meeting Chris, or was that after? No, it's de- it was definitely around the same time. You know, it's so neat to look back and see how God clearly was working in our individual lives before he brought us together. Um, but I had a similar experience right before we met um, around that that same time. Um, where I just, I was a Christian, I was going to church. Um, but you know, it, they always tell you when you, when you graduate high school and you move to college, anything that you're, you're dealing with, any struggles that you're dealing with are going to be full on when you move to college. And that was certainly the case for me. Um, anything I was dealing with a little bit, I, I just fell completely into uh, my freshman year of college, just, you know, faced with so much freedom <laughs> at such a young age. I think my little mind could not handle that. Um, and so I just had been seeking after my own um, desires, you know, and that was really starting to take a toll on my heart and on my life. Um, and I just found myself in this place where I was completely desperate for God. The life that I had built for myself was just not the life that he had for me. And that was totally clear for me. And so in that season, it was just this, just this place of laying down each piece of my life that, you know, the desire to be whatever I was searching for in the Christian music industry, laying that down, um, laying down relationship I was in, laying down who I thought I was supposed to be and striving to be and allowing him to give me this beautiful life that he had planned for me um, that was so much greater than the life that I was trying so hard to build on my own. So it was just this incredible time. And then uh, he brought us together in that moment. So it was so neat that, you know, he kind of, I feel like he kind of cleaned us up a little bit before (laughs) we met each other so that we were able to start with such a great foundation Mm -hmm. um, on him. So invite us into when you two actually met and what we love to learn how you, you know, paid attention to one another, what drew you to one another in terms of um, like more of those surfacey things, but then even the deeper things character wise. Sure. So we just uh, swiped right. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, wait a second. (laughs) That was not a thing. Definitely not a thing. Apps. I don't even think apps were a thing. No, they weren't. Sound like we're so old, but we are. I know. Um, No, I'll start and then you can pick up. But we were um, sitting in church at that service we talked about. Um, and Chris was sitting in front of me and the pastor said, turn around and greet your neighbor. And I was sitting behind him. Boom. Yeah. <laughs> Excuse me. You met at a turn and greet at church. That's right. Okay, so anything is possible, out. people. That's anyway, right. just Be careful who you position yourself by. strategically and you never know. <laughs> we'll pass that on. Yes. Yeah. I know. Right. Um, yeah. So in that moment we met and, you know, He's a passionate guy. He likes to talk if you haven't um, gathered what? that so far. What? So, I mean, literally in that first two minutes that we met, I got a lot of his story. I just, I used to be a partier. I used to be a frat boy. And now I love Jesus. He changed my life. It was just all a lot in one moment. Um, and then she moved a couple <laughs> rows back. She was like, okay, he's a little crazy. He's a little bit, he's cute, but he's crazy. Yes. You know? He was very cute. Still cute. Um, but 
I remember thinking that then, wow, like he's great. Somebody should date him. It, not me because I'm not doing that right now. I just needed, you know, a minute. Um, but somebody should date him. He's so great. So I just, every time I was around him, I kept getting to know him and trying to set him up with my roommate. Um, and so we, I was just like, you know, getting to know, is he good enough for her? And, um, and it was just so funny that like, that wasn't even there. You know, I wasn't trying to see if we would be a good fit. It was like, no, he should date somebody else. <laughs> Though I knew the entire time we would be the best fit. So I, yeah. I waited it out. Yeah. And what's neat is she ended up marrying his roommate and we ended up marrying. Um, so it was just funny. But wow. yeah, we just were friends for a while. We just um, got to know each other as friends. And then um, do you want to pick up? Yeah. Me? I mean, I think for us, both of us had, we had never done a relationship correctly in our lives. Yeah. And so I think when we both encountered God on our own, and I will say the environment that we were in, the church we were in was, was, you know, young adults, everyone was kind of in that 1920s, you know, 1920 age kind of range. And everyone was just on fire for Jesus. So you just didn't want to be the guy that's just like, hey, are you talking to all the girls? You know, you just didn't want to be, there was just this culture where it was like, hey, let's all chase after Jesus and not get so focused on dating and who should I date? Who am I going to marry? And all those things. And so we were all kind of chasing after the Lord. And I think for both of us, we just were like, we don't want to do another. I'm not doing another relationship until it's the person that I want to marry. And I want to be really strategic to honor these women that are in my life as friends and ultimately honor my future wife, whoever that may be. And so it was the first time in my life I had a concept, the idea that I actually indeed do have a wife. I may not know who she is yet. I may not know her name yet. But in every encounter I have with the opposite sex, I have an opportunity to show honor and respect to my future wife. And so um, all that to say is I started, you know, it was pretty clear for me that I was like, all right, God, like Jenny's pretty great. Not only is she smoking hot, but she loves Jesus. <laughs> and, you know, this this is really cool. But but I just didn't I really wanted to be a God deal. I think we we both did in our own lives. And so I just kept kind of playing this hot potato game with the Lord. I was like, no, I'm going to ask her. No, I'm not. I'm going to ask her. No, you, if you want to do this, Lord, you do it. I ended up going on the TV show. So like I left, I went to New Zealand and Tahiti and all the things. But during that time I was praying about her, but I was, I was always really, you know, God really was so good and some mentors in my life to help me not, um, not be kind of just loosey goosey with her heart. You know, I really wanted to protect her heart and not, not be like, Hey, I think you're great. I th you think I'm great. And just like this weird flirty thing that just didn't have any place if we weren't going to go down that road. And so, um, long story short, I just said, God, if you want me to take her on a date, I want you to do it. You take me on the date with her. And it's like, well, Hey dummy, how's that going to happen? If you don't <laughs> ask her on a date, I got off the TV show. I got on a road trip with one of the guys who was a cast member of mine, and I was driving to Nashville. We were actually, I actually picked him up in Grand Rapids, and we drove down. Uh, we drove down to Nashville, and I was like, Jenny, I want you to meet my friend Jeremy. She's like, oh, I'm not here. I'm in Texas with my family. And I was like, well, we're actually driving to Texas in two days because we need to go down to Austin area. Where are you? And we all know Texas I'm sitting next to Texan is the greatest state in the country, <laughs> but it's also really, really big, right? It's really, really big. So it was like, well, I mean, where could she be? Texas is, well, it turns out we were just <clears throat> about 20, 30 miles or minutes actually just up the road. So she said, Hey, why Jeremy's doing his thing. Why don't you come meet my family? So he came down there as a friend, 
when I showed up at her house, no one was there except for her dad. So <laughs> I literally sat on the back porch as Chris, the friend, him going, who's this dude who just showed up at my house from Nashville, Ginny's friend. And we sat there for 45 minutes and her and I, her dad and I talked. So I ended up crashing at their place uh, for a couple of days. They live on a lake. It was tons of fun. I got to hang out with her brother and all, all their friends. And then we went to this event and her dad was like, hey, uh, has Chris ever seen San Antonio on the Riverwalk? And the answer was no. He's a sheltered boy from the cornfields of Indiana, so he's never been anywhere. So, so her dad gave her some cash and said, "Why don't you take him down and you guys go have dinner at the Riverwalk?" And so, sitting there at dinner, I, it, I'm slow, right? Just take me a minute. The light bulb hit me, and I was like, "Oh my gosh, I'm at dinner with her." Not only did I not ask her, but her dad Wait. said, go have dinner at the Riverwalk. I was like, all right. <laughs> Wait, so her dad her set dad. you all up on a date? Yeah. Yes, he Amazing. really liked Chris. Yeah. <laughs> like, Samuel, I believe he even financed. He did. Right. He even financed oh, it. I, I was yeah. a big 20-something. We didn't, I had no money. I was just some kid on some TV show or whatever. So, you know, then, and then in that moment, we we started to have a conversation and, you know, it was like, hey, I, I think you're great. And I think God's doing something here. And she she kind of confessed the same thing to me. And so the cool part was I was driving back. I was going to leave my buddy, Jeremy. And he's like, I'm staying in Texas. I was like, you can stay in Texas. I've got to go back to Tennessee. And she had to go back to Tennessee. So her not only did her dad finance our date, but he also said, hey, let's cancel your flight. And you ride back with that guy that I just met a couple <laughs> of days ago, 16 <laughs> hours together. And it was... um it was an amazing. Yeah. It was just it was just amazing. One of those stories, right? We we drove over the bridge in Memphis, and there, we called our Memphis sunset. It was the most beautiful sunset I'd ever seen in my life. Um, yeah, it was definitely yeah. God was writing it. Yeah. It was very Super clear. Cool. We could not have orchestrated any of it. That's awesome. That's awesome. I I uh, just am encouraged to hear this aspect that I hear reverberating through your marriage space of. Like we liked each other, you know, mm-hmm. and we continually are liking each other because of these experience and memories that we had. And and number one, any dad, I'm a father, you know, and I have a daughter. And if a guy comes across my young daughter, you know, and I'm thinking like light years ahead. Yes, and sure. I finance a date like I really got to like this guy. So, you know, right? that's huge. It might have been that he didn't really like the other guys. Ah, so that, that's, that might have been. It was a combination. Hmm, this is a better. I like this option better than the other options. I'll, I'll put an investment down here. And let's see what returns. Oh, man, that is, that's so cool. Um, uh, And I, I hear also in your story, you're going to talk a little bit about this, but. This space of when you in your book are talking about the rhythm of us, it literally is this syncopation, this pattern, this thing that you go throughout the course of your life where you start to find things that work and things that don't work. And and so, you know, I would love to just kind of make a turn here towards, you know, the book that you all wrote. And uh, and I, I have it. I'll give you a quick uh, a quick story about this. I read your book me and my wife and we were like yeah there's some things we got to work on but even in that space let me tell you all like i have even uh as a counselor and a therapist uh, in the state of michigan i've even like encouraged some of my clients to read your book because it's that powerful 
And so, you know, here's a here's a quick plug, Rhythm of Us. You know, you gotta you gotta hear and I know you all are plugging later. All books are sold. Exactly. Um, but let's talk about your marriage and your rhythm. You know, it, um, you had this question in your book, and I wanted to just ask you all a little bit about what does this look like? This aspect of is your marriage in or out of rhythm? Can you talk more about just the concept of that in relationship to your book and maybe your own experiences? Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, that was such a gift that even that idea and that language to be able to say to each other, hey, I think we are out of rhythm here, or maybe over here we're out of rhythm instead of, hey, you really need to work on this, you know, or you're really sucking right here. You know, like it's just a better conversation overall to say, hey, we are out of rhythm. It puts us both on the same side of the table looking at the problem as opposed to you are the problem or I am the problem. Um, and so I think that that conversation we've heard from people has been very helpful. Um, but I think for for us, you know, we mentioned just really having this strong desire to do a relationship right <laughs> when we got together. It just felt like God was so a part of it. And we just wanted to honor him the whole way through, through our engagement and getting married and just really wanted to do it right. But we had no idea how to do it. You know, we had never really seen it done right. We didn't know what that looked like. Um, and so we really sought out other couples to mentor us early in our marriage when we were engaged and in the beginning, um, because we knew we got to learn. We don't have the tools here. We've got to, to get something we don't have so that we can do this well. Um, and so God was just really um, faithful to bring amazing couples into our life who had been married decades upon decades and somehow managed to stay wildly in love with each other and grown in that love. Um, and they just stopped us in our tracks. You know, it's those those kind of couples. You Everybody listening can probably think of at least a couple, a few couples that they know that are just inspiring, that are still in love with each other after being married for so many years. Um, and we just wanted to learn. So we sat down with um, some of those couples and tried to learn these rhythms. Um, and a lot of them are in the book. Um, that's kind of what we tried to base the book around were the rhythms that we learned um, early on in our marriage and over the years together um, that have really carried us and that we've seen bear a lot of fruit in couples around us who've been married way longer than we have. Um, and so I feel like there's like scientific evidence <laughs> behind this, sure. behind these rhythms. Like they really do work because not only have they um, brought a lot of fruit in our lives, but we've seen them really carry couples through 40, 50 years of marriage together. I love how those great things can be passed on. So you you know, you yes. learned all this from them, and then now it's in the content of your book and like the ripple effects of that relationship. Now, you said you guys really wanted those couples. Like, did you go find them or did they somehow find you? I think it was both. I think we prayed. I think the best place to start is always, God, bring those couples into my life because we can seek out some, but also... God is only God can be God and only he knows exactly who needs to be in our life. Um, so there was definitely a mixture. There were there was a, one specific couple I grew up with who were pastors at my church that I knew their relationship had always inspired me. And so I sought them out as soon as we got engaged. I reached out to them and said, you know, hey, would you guys be willing to sit down with us and maybe teach us a couple things that you've learned 
about marriage and they were like, come to our house. So we spent a whole weekend with them and they did kind of like a marriage boot camp for us, which was just phenomenal. Um, and we still talk about some of those things we, that we learned that weekend with them. Um, so that was an example of kind of really trying to be intentional with it. And then the Lord just meeting us there to go, yeah, I'll give you even more than you asked for. Um, but I think along the way, whenever we encountered a couple that kind of stood out to us as being strong or having something of value, we asked them, we sought them out and said, hey, can we learn from you? Mm. Um, so I think it starts there. I think it starts with praying for for the Lord to bring those people across your path, praying for eyes to see those couples, and then you know, being bold enough to ask if you can learn. And I think anybody, if you ask them, can I learn from you? <laughs> I think most people will be open, you know, to that conversation. That's that's so powerful. And Rachel, I know <clears throat> you can speak to this too. Uh, women being mentored at Ada, and even in marriage, you know, having marriage mentors, which sounds like you all are sharing and talking about Chris and Jenny. And I have heard so many stories of. When couples are in a space where, you know, maybe they're not like at crisis mode, but they're in a space where they're just like, we want to grow, but we need somebody to just talk to. Maybe not all the time, maybe once every couple of months, like that space of marriage mentoring and mentoring in general is so powerful. Um, even for my wife and I, we have mentors, you know, the people that we can bounce ideas off. We're going through a hard part of having two kids and struggling with one kid being whiny and one kid being just super extroverted and who can help us and having those <laughs> questions to be able to feel those things to people is so important in this day and age. For sure. Well, I think, you know, like one of the great examples is Mark and Jan Foreman where we looked up to them and had a relationship from afar, basically reading a book they wrote on parenting. Mm. And then you literally reach out and say, we really love what you did. Your book impacted our life. And from that, a relationship starts and then you start to get to build relationships. So sometimes maybe people that you look up to or that the relationship you want to have may be unattainable in their season of life and your season of life and connections and relationships, but there's so much great content and there's some bad content out there too, obviously, <laughs> but there's some really great people that can be kind of those mentors from a distance that, that you don't have to be in direct proximity with them to glean and gain the knowledge and wisdom that they have. Yeah. So good. So good. Uh, maybe can you give our, just our listeners, just a highlight of one rhythm. You know, I, I know in our, in our backstage talks, we talked about this rhythm of awe that you kind of mm. talked about in you, but can you just kind of just give us a little glimpse of the rhythm of awe and what that means? Yeah. I, I love that you picked that one. You know, um, it's neat to there's see five there's five rhythms yeah. in the book um, for people listening. And, um, you know, it's neat to see which ones resonate most with different couples. Um, but this is one that when we got done with the book, this was the one that kept resonating with me so much mm -hmm. that I carried with me. Um, and it, it's kind of it's kind of the cherry on top, I feel like, because if you're able to practice the rhythm of awe in your marriage, um, then it kind of it kind of spills into all the other rhythms and it really motivates you to practice those well. And so the, the idea of the rhythm of awe is just shifting our perspective to remember that marriage is a great gift. It's not a burden to carry. It's not something hard that we have to slug through. The, the, the greatest place to start is to remember that marriage is a great gift from the Lord. Getting to wake up with this guy every single day is a gift. 
It's not a burden. It's a gift. And it's not given that we get that every mm-hmm. single day. We don't know how much time we have together. Nobody does. Right. And so if I remember that, then it shifts my perspective to, wow, I get to live this life with this guy every single day. And he is not just somebody that I'm with or that I'm doing. I'm just you know passing in the hallways. He's a gift from the Lord. He's a child of God. He's somebody that's always shifting and changing and growing. And I can have curiosity to know him more and not just think that I already know everything there is to know about him. Um, but I can keep that curiosity by staying in awe of the gift that marriage is. And so it's really, we you know kind of unpack some ways to practically practice having this perspective and shifting our perspective because um, we don't really get there on automatic, right? It, yeah. We just wake up thinking of our own needs. We think, wake up thinking of all that we have to do. And, and it, it's almost, if we're not intentional to practice moving in that direction, then we will just drift the opposite direction, Absolutely. you know? And so we really unpack some ways that we can practice this together, but that's kind of the big overview idea <clears throat> of it. Yeah. And I, and I like to add to that too. I think people go, okay, this is, this is probably the most like, you know, other ones like the rhythm of speaking life. You can very, get very practical. You can speak life, show love to your spouse right. through your words. This is one of those ones. It's like, okay, I got to kind of wrap my head around the rhythm of all. And, and the way I try and help people go, okay, the best way to crystallize this rhythm in your life is to think back on the day you got married. And no one had to tell you in that moment on that day to just look at your spouse or your almost spouse before they walked down the aisle and go, wow, I'm in awe. You just were like you, <laughs> you like this person's about to say yes to you forever. Like they look so good. Like you, <laughs> you are so excited about the life there, there is, that is the, like the epitome of all, right? So the idea is, look, we grow, we learn, we mess up, we've got scars. We, we kind of, you know, we, we learn and make some mistakes along the way, but makes us stronger, right? I think, and hopefully, as you find yourself like us, 17 years, or those who are even 30 or 40 years, you're even more <laughs> in awe and have respect because you've walked through so much together. You know, you really have kind of gone through the fire together and in awe that, yes, this person is still here and they're still saying yes to me and they love me. And ultimately, the idea is this, is if you have a relationship with Christ, you know, we should ultimately, the all starts with him, the being in awe and wonder of a, of a savior who loves us, died for us, cares for us is intimately focused on the details of our life that yeah. should make us all. And I think we can practice all in our everyday life when we walk out and see a sunset or we see our kids just playing in the backyard and we're just stopped in our tracks. And so our kind of charge and encouragement is, look, the rhythm of all, you can practice this in your life. When Jenny walks down the stairs every morning and I'm sitting there in the office drinking my coffee, I'm in awe of this woman, that she is the mother of my children, that she loves me, that she showed up again today to say yes to me is, uh, is, a, is a miracle. And it's not given, like she said. So we love the rhythm of all. It's a fun one. <laughs> I love this this rhythm that and that there are five that you cover. Uh, they seem so easy to step into. In chapter three of your book, you talk about going from ruts to rhythms, and you talk about seasonal ruts, inherited ruts, cultural ruts. Can you talk more about these? Yeah, yeah. So, like we like we said, um, you know, we don't just drift into healthy rhythms, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it takes intentionality. It takes practice. 
Um, and so if we, what we, what tends to happen is um, we can kind of fall into these ruts if we're not being intentional to move towards the vision of the life and marriage that we long for. So we talk about some ways in the book that this can happen. Um, and we talked about um, seasonal ruts, like, you know, there's things that work for us when we first get married that if we don't, if we don't watch and and kind of reassess as we grow and change as a couple, they can kind of become ruts. Mm. Um, so one example is like, you know, when we first got married and we didn't have any kids, it was totally fine for, you know, me to go out for a long girls night or Chris to be gone, you know, all day on a Saturday playing sports, playing basketball, whatever with guys. Um, but as we, we had more and more, and more and more kids. So many kids. <laughs> so many Just kids. So many. <laughs> it would with five kids in our house and a lot of littles, our Saturdays are sacred. I mean, for us to either one of us to schedule something where we're gone. <laughs> all day on a Saturday um, would just be really inconsiderate of the other and cause a lot of friction. And so that's just one example of something that is not a problem in a certain season of our marriage, but later on can totally become a rut if we're not thinking of how that affects the other. Um, And it really just starts with having those conversations um, about what has become a rut and what would look more like a healthy rhythm for us. Yeah. And then you, the idea of inherited rhythms, um, obviously, you know, we all come in with some context, you know, we came into our marriage with some context of what marriage was a lot of, a lot of checklists of what not to do. We, we learned a lot of that. And so you have to be acknowledging that like, okay, is this, is this an inherited rhythm? Is this something I brought in with me and that she brought in with her or whatever? And can we have just an open, honest conversation to take this rut and turn it into a rhythm where we, we don't want this to be the future. We don't want our kids to experience this. We're going to try and break this thing now here. So that that's kind of the idea of the inherited rhythms. And then what you talk. Yeah. About and I think that like, you know, we all bring in a mixed bag right. into our marriage, right? Like nobody has it completely perfect or completely horrible. Usually mm-hmm. um, if we take the time to look long enough, we can find at least a few healthy rhythms that we brought with us from our family of origin and probably a few ruts that need letting go of. Um, So I think it starts there really looking at um, what did we bring? What did we learn um, about marriage and those rhythms? And then looking at what do we want to continue and what what do we need to let go of here? What do we not want to carry with us into our families? Because if we don't have those conversations, it is, we've all experienced, it comes out because mm-hmm. it's within us, right? It's what we learned by watching our families. And so it's really important to have those conversations to look at, okay, this is something I didn't realize I brought with me into marriage, this idea or this practice, this habit that I have. Um, and do I want to continue it? Is this something that I want to teach my kids about marriage? Is this something that is important to us and, and that's going to help us in our marriage or do we need to let go of it? Um, and so I think that's a really big piece too that inherited um, rhythms or ruts. And then the last one um, that we talk about is cultural, cultural. <laughs> think about it is cultural um, ruts or rhythms. And this is just, you know um, we all have those moments and probably based on our personalities um, it's easier or harder for, for us based on that. But um, you know, Chris, does not have, he does not compare himself to anybody but himself. 
Um, but this is more of a struggle for me. You know, um, I think that when we're around other couples, it's easy to go, you know, Jordan and Jenna do this. Maybe we should, you know, this couple does this. Maybe we should. This couple does this. Maybe we should. And that, <clears throat> that can start to affect our marriage more than we realize. Sure. Um, and so it's really important to look at, okay, are we doing these things? Are we falling into these habits just because everybody around us is doing it? Or is this actually something that's important to us that's going to bring life to us and to our marriage and to our family? Um, and look at those rhythms and ruts with that lens as well. Wow, that, that is incredible. And, and you know, as you all explain that, some of this terminology, rhythm, rut, like maybe the first time some of our listeners, that was the first time when I read your book, I was like, huh, I got to think about this more. Like this is, you know, and this is a whole therapist. I'm like, wait a minute, now I got to think about this. And how foundational and powerful that was. Because, you know, maybe even the listeners listen to this now and they're like, okay, when I get home, I need to talk to my spouse and we need to figure out what are our rhythms, you know, but also where are the spaces that we've had this, these seasonal or inherited or cultural ruts in our lives. And I could see them literally having these conversations based off what you're sharing and saying, um, but also there comes a space where, again, let's just say that you have a couple who's in a situation and, you know, you may have a couple who's more of the person that imposes a thought or an idea on someone. Right. And they're like, hey, this is what we're going to do because Chris and Jenny said so, you know, and and they start to do these things. But you talk about the space of. Okay, outside of the realm of control, outside of the realm of like, I got to make sure my spouse does this, a space of having a collective rhythm. And, you know, I, I like one of your quotes. You say collective rhythm, collective rhythm based values create a stronger collaboration instead of creating a space of controlling each other. Talk about mm. just that. I mean, that's good. I don't know who wrote that, but that is so, <laughs> you know, this so is good. good. I guarantee it's Jenny. Go ahead. <laughs> Just talk about that because, you know, again, spouses will get in the space where now they're challenged by something, but they know that they want to create a collective rhythm, but it's hard. You know, how do you navigate that space and just kind of some encouragement on that? Yeah, I think it, it starts with conversation, right? Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, one of the rhythms is serving each other. Uh, That's the second rhythm. Um, and that one is tough because, you know, like we said, we all wake up in the morning thinking about ourselves. You know, it's just instinctive. We think about our needs. We think about, you know, I've got this going on today or man, I need some coffee. I'm tired or whatever it is that we wake up with. Um, it generally is not, man, how can I shift my eyes <laughs> to see my spouse and how I can serve them, how I can look at their desires and their needs. Um, so we, we really talk about sitting down with each other and starting with the conversation of um, what does the future us look like? What does it look like to you? What does it look like to me? How can we align those visions? Because even if we both have great visions for what the future looks like, if they look completely different, then and we're moving towards different visions of our future, then we're going to be out of rhythm, right? We're, it's going to cause some friction in our marriage. And so I think it starts with looking at, okay, in my wildest dreams, the future us looks like this. This is this is what it looks like for me. And so that reflects what I value. And then writing down those values. And we really have a, a whole section in the back of the book that pulls this out um, and lots of great questions that you guys can talk through. Um, but then looking at, okay, what does your vision look like for in your wildest dreams? What does your future us look like? And what areas are different? What areas do those align? And how can we move towards a future that incorporates both of our shared values, so not just mine and not just yours. 
Yeah, yeah. I think the other side of it is, you know, we really try to go away from the traditional, like, okay, let's talk about sex and finances and in-laws and kids and all that. Like, <laughs> sure. And that, those are all important. And those all can be talked about in this framework. But we wanted to create a framework and a, and a vernacular where people could go, hey, because um, when I say, is your marriage in rhythm or out of rhythm, everyone immediately can think about where they're in rhythm or out of rhythm. Now, they may be just be thinking it to themselves, haven't shared it with their spouse, but it's a super simple way to put you guys. We talk, Jenny's talking about doing it together where you are literally linked side by side, not pointing each other that you're going, hey, mm-hmm. let's look here in the middle of the table. Are we in rhythm in this area of our life? Are we out of rhythm? What do you think? And then you can go, well, I think we're in rhythm. Well, I think we're out of rhythm. Really? Why do you think we're out of rhythm? Like, what would you say? Well, I don't know. I, and it, it literally goes where you, you lock arms together versus, you know, punching each other, you know, and not being, you're on the same team. And so that's the whole idea is to go, let's, let's, have, a, let's have a neutral opportunity for us to collectively to look at the problem. It's not you're the problem. This over here might be what's out of whack. We want to get it together. And I think that's the piece that really helps people because they don't even know how to start a conversation. It's like, how do I tell them that I don't want to be around their mother or whatever it is? You know, how do I have that conversation? You say, hey, are we in rhythm when it comes to our extended family? And what does that look like? And what would a vision like Jenny talked about, a future? So that having that framework makes it so much easier to have those conversations that you just don't know where to start other than, Hey, so you spend all the money, huh? <laughs> what should we do there? <laughs> you know, it's like, Ooh. exactly. I would see that being so much more effective than the usual way we approach it, where defenses could quickly go up. We, we somehow go in a little bit with the pointed finger and people mm-hmm. back up. So this just Perfect. seems like I love the collaboration in that and see where that could be so successful you talked about awe earlier. I think your book also addresses addresses apathy. Mm-hmm. So I wonder if um, if you were to give our listeners a little homework, I don't know if it would be in the area of apathy prevention or something that might inspire awe or what that might be. We, we would love to hear a challenge. What, what challenge might you want to share with us? Yeah. Around the, the rhythm of awe? Yeah. Well, which I want to yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. I would say to take your shirts off. Just, that's the first thing. <laughs> it's, it's a good starter. Oh my gosh. Maybe maybe not what you're looking for. Okay. I'll let Jenny. You know what? Let's that is and over to, to you, Jenny. Next over to you. <laughs> that's always his suggested solution to any problem. If the book if I wrote the book without Jenny, it'd be like the rhythm of us. Take your shirts off. <laughs> no, there you go. Wanna thank everyone for making Just this possible. Heels Yes. Um, No, I think with with awe specifically, a great place to start is um, looking at your day. And when you go throughout your day um, and you have those little moments, we all have them, right? If you um, if it's individually, you're driving past a sunset or you're at the playground with your kids, you have this moment, this kind of um, prompting to either take notice and stop and savor the moment, step, what we call is step into the painting, um, where we don't just drive by the sunset. We pull over and we take it in and we give thanks to God for that moment. And there's something that happens in us. There really is this shift that happens within us when we take the time to do that. And every single one of those moments adds up over time. And when we choose to stop and savor and step into the painting in that moment, um, 
we're actually like, it's like we're stockpiling in the bank. Um, this, this, this account of awe that we can draw on when a conflict comes or when a hard time hits us. We have this sizable account to draw from, um, because we've been in the, in the habit of practicing this rhythm of awe where, um, we're now in the habit of cultivating eyes to see those moments and then stepping into those. So one for me that happens all the time is I'll, I'll be, I can kind of get lost in a task. I don't know if anybody listening is that way. I like to get things done. I have a to-do list in the morning and I, I like to feel like I checked some things off those lists by the end of the day. Um, but what can happen without realizing it is I can just get in kind of focus mode, we call it, and I can just ignore everyone around me when I'm in that, in that place, um, just trying to get the job done. But those are often the times when awe comes calling to me. It looks like inconvenience, right? Because I'm getting something done that's more important. But then I'll look out the window and I'll see Chris just like jumping on the trampoline with our kids and having this golden moment. And I'll hear that prompting step into the painting. Mm -hmm. And so then I have the choice to either keep plowing through whatever I'm doing, or could I take just a moment to put it down for a minute and go outside and step into my life. Because at the end of the day, what's going to be the moment I remember? Is it going to be, you know, perfectly organizing that stack of towels? Or is it going to be that moment that I shared with Chris outside with our kids in the sunshine? And like, those are the moments that our life is made of. And it really starts with just as simple as stepping into that moment when, when it comes for you instead of, ignoring it and then, you know, missing out on that moment that you could have. Yeah. And I I say specifically when it comes to the apathy thing, you know, going back to this idea that all of these rhythms, um, the core uh, starting place for all of them is having that same relationship with Christ. You know, the, the rhythm of speaking life, you, you want to speak life. You want to pray, you want to, you want to honor and worship the Lord. You know, you want to serve God. Right, you you want to slow down with him. You want to take an adventure with the Lord. I mean, all of these things should start with the foundation of Jesus Christ. And I think when it comes to apathy, if you can posture yourself with an attitude of gratitude, right, and you can say, "Okay, Lord, like you gave me." There's, there's no matter what is happening in your life. Just like Jenny said, you can find the good. Right, go mind and find the good. God. Maybe my bank account is low. Maybe my job situation is rough. Maybe our marriage is whatever. But right now, today, you gave me breath in my lungs. Thank you. Mm-hmm. And, and perhaps if my legs work, I can walk and, or run or, or do something with my body that others can't. And so when you start to find that you know, apathy, I think gratitude starts to kind of chip away at apathy. I think the same thing can happen in your marriage when you look up and go, okay, we're not in a great place right now. You know, apathy is definitely here in front of us, but I, I'm going to start to find one thing or two things that I can be grateful for that's going to shift my perspective from this kind of like, oh, this lit, this long laundry list. And there may still be there of things that they aren't good at and that they stink at. But I think if you can start to see that, then you'll be surprised and communicate it to them. Mm-hmm. Hey, uh, thank you for doing the laundry. Hey, husband, thank you for doing the dishes. You know what? Thank you for picking the kids up from school today. Thank you for going to work to provide for our family. Whatever whatever that thing is, it may seem mundane or just their job, 
if you take a second and acknowledge it and you find you're truly grateful for it and you communicate to them, the seed that you plant will produce a harvest that will blow your mind and apathy will not be able to sustain in that environment. Wow. I, that sounds like great homework, Samuel. Did you hear what we're going to do? We're going to we're going to step into the painting. Yeah. We're going to watch for it and step into the painting. We're going to mine for the good. Yeah. And then we're going to actually put words to it and watch for those things to, to say that we appreciate that or we're we're grateful for them for something. I, I'm up for doing that homework. How about you, Samuel? I am definitely up for doing it. This has been an incredible <laughs> Incredible. I need you guys to turn in your homework. <laughs> uh, listen. Well, uh, Friday by five o'clock. I need your homework, please. <laughs> Thank you, Professor Chris. So, <laughs> listen, Chris, Jenny, this has been an incredible 52 minutes of just wealth of information, of wisdom, of marital advice and encouragement. And just, uh, I'm honored. I'm honored to have you two on here to share. Your wealth of rhythms, you know, and and it's been incredible. Um, you know, as as I think about our listeners, and again, we have people all who are listening to our podcast who you know are in that space where they don't necessarily like each other right now. That they're challenged with their marriage, or they're in a space of crisis, and they're listening to this. Chris or Jenny, would just either one of you pray before we end the podcast for our listeners? Mm. Oh, hundred percent. Love to do that. Yeah, hundred percent. Absolutely. Uh, Father, I just want to thank you for each and every single person that's taken the time to listen to this today. At the end of the day, Father, we are 100% here for you. And so I just pray for those that are maybe in a tough season right now and maybe aren't able to see the path ahead and what it looks like, um, or they're just tired. First off, I just pray for rest and I pray for peace, Father. I pray that your arms will wrap around them like they've never experienced before. And I pray, Father, that as a couple, they can uh, take these hardships, these times, these moments that they're in, and ultimately become stronger with you and stronger with each other. Father, I pray that our hearts and minds will be intertwined and woven with you when it comes to rhythm, that we're in rhythm, in step with the plan and purposes you have for our life and that you have for our marriage. And so, God, we thank you that you gave us breath in our lungs today. We are grateful that you have chosen us and called us yours and that we get to do this thing called life with you, walk this planet and, you know, be called Christians, Christ followers. So uh, today, God, I pray for divine appointments and opportunities and encounters. And I pray for really cool stories with spouses that'll come out of this to go, Hey, we discovered something that, that gave us the vernacular, the verbiage, the opportunity to chase after God and to chase after the marriage that you long for them, God. So we pray your blessings on everyone listening here, God. We pray for thriving marriages focused on you, centered on you, Jesus, and that the enemy will not prevail or prosper in any way. We pray all this in your awesome name, Jesus. Amen. 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 Thank you all. Thank, Thank you, you guys. This was such a blast. Thanks for having us on. <laughs> this has been great. So, Chris and Jenny, where can listeners find your um, your book and also your podcast? Books everywhere. Oh. Go get it. I mean, you know, Amazon, <laughs> Amazon is the typical. Yeah, anywhere. Yeah, and then Rhythm of Us. Rhythm of Us is everywhere. Social handles, all that. Jazz. Yeah, therhythmofus.com. You can find us there or on social media. We would love to hear from you. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you all so much. So listeners, there you have it. Chris and Jenny Graby uh, for Together. This is myself and Rachel. We've enjoyed your time and uh, hopefully you should come back and check us out later for Together. 
Thanks for listening to Together. We hope you've learned a thing or two. If you find the podcast helpful, please go to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your listening platform. Leave a comment and give us a five-star rating. If you'd like more information on Ada Bible Church and its ministries, or someone to pray or dialogue with about your marriage, go online and check out our website at adabible.org.